You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 223 of PHP Ugly, and we're opening Coffee Shop. We're calling it Ben as you may expect. It will be open 24-7 because no one will know how to close it. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, John Congdon. <laughs> oh, I love it. When are we opening? Yeah. To my left, Thomas Rideout. Uh, hello. <laughs> Thomas? <laughs> We've had fine. a very rough, rough start. I've had a rough day. <laughs> We've had a. Can you can you bring us up to speed? What's happening right now? Why why all this craziness and last minute transferring of files and putting scenes together? Well, do you remember uh, a couple months ago? I was telling you I was having hard drive problems, and I was replacing mm-hmm. my my old you know six year old spinning disk drive with an SSD. So I do you recall that yep. I did that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, day of the show makes sense. Perfect. Yeah, uh, my system last night decided uh, it was going to go up to 100% disk usage, just idling, uh, because the error rate on it was so bad that trying to do anything with the computer was a complete loss. And I was put in the situation of uh, cancel the show or reinstall Windows this morning. And actually, as bad as things went on, you know, the podcast starting up, it did only take me 45 minutes to get everything up and running. Like from turn, from the moment I turned the computer off to the moment that my whole system was back up and running with all of my software restored. Except, you know, the we, mouse doesn't work. Mike doesn't work. That just started happening. You're miss, happening. missing scenes from OBS. <laughs> that, okay. None of that's my fault. You oh, you were, you were going for the hero. You're going for the hero <laughs> angle here. Like, hey, it only took me 45 minutes to get my Windows box back up and running. Yeah. Oh, sorry reason. about and that. You did say, like, and you did say all of my software, but while setting up, you said you didn't have Slack working. Hello. And Slack is on a different machine, which normally would be fine, <laughs> but the mouse buttons don't work when I move over to that machine. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to do with you, man. I don't know what I'm going to do with I, you. Whatever it is, I'm probably doing it to myself. All right, I know we're a PHP <clears> ugly <throat> talk show where we talk about PHP, and we have some news on that. But I am drooling, drooling over here, looking over John's shoulder. John, you got a new toy. I I have a very bad business partner that is as bad with he's, money as I am, and he's like, he's I said, I'm looking at 3D printers. I was looking at them already. Eric happened to say, I have things I want to print. I'm like, oh yeah, that's for the business, and we we, we now have a new Diego Dev 3D printer. Absolutely makes perfect sense. Tracks for me. I, I spent a lot of time looking, and this thing I don't have a lot of experience in unboxing 3D printers, but oh my gosh, this thing is packed so well. The way it oh yeah it's shipped and the steps to put it together, the, the quick start guide it comes with is so pretty and well laid out, and I had it put together fairly quickly probably less than an well, hour that doesn't make sense thomas took a month and a half to put his together <laughs> <laughs> to be fair he bought all the parts individually yeah mine was in pieces <laughs> so so I, I realized this won't do anything for the audio listeners of the podcast but have you printed anything cool i have 
So it comes with a test file. So I printed a nice little vase. Which that is so cool. Looks cool. I've printed. So is it actually, uh, is it actually uh, hollow inside? Like it just printed yep. hollow inside? Yep. Wow. It's it's great. Uh, I've printed a little for my kids' Hot Wheel tracks. They misplaced a connector, so I printed a new connector to kind of hook those two together. And in the middle of a print for my wife for Valentine's Day. And all, but all I have is black filament right now. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> like maybe I'll go hit it with some spray paint if I can find some. I don't see so why. How how, uh, how well? Like I I watch a lot of three D printers. I I've never had one. Do, do, is it like like that vase looks pretty smooth? Like is does it print? Like it's like yeah. I mean, you can definitely tell some ridging. Like if I were to oh okay, I right, hear that. But yeah, yeah. but for the most part, it's not bad. It's pretty smooth. Mm. I'm very, I'm very impressed with, like I said, what, how it got. What here. model is that? You want to share model, brand model? It's a Snapmaker. Snapmaker, nice. Snap Wait, is that the is that the three in one? It is. Oh, that was my requirement <laughs> for him. I'm like, hey, if you're going to get it, we need we need to do etching too. Like, I wanted to, I wanted it's, to etch things. It's got a laser engraver and a CNC module on it. Yeah, man. I I haven't tried the other two because reading the manual it got me scared. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna order the enclosure now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll scare they'll scare you. <laughs> Although they ship with it, they send you uh, late goggles for the laser mode and then a separate pair of goggles for the CNC mode to you know, mm. protect your eyes. Well, the ones that really matter are the laser mode. Those laser yeah. goggles are very important. Although it's it's a pretty low power laser compared to other laser cutters well it's, yeah, it's but only that, that just means like a half a second but, instead of you know a millisecond yeah this is it a jewish laser john have you have you checked a jewish space laser oh yeah i heard about that let's <laughs> let's assume let's just assume Poli- politics listen to you already oh, that's well, not no, politics. Yeah, it's I'm crazy is crazy yeah, that's yeah, that's. It's interesting to see how much our industry and how much tech is playing into, and we've known for a while how much it's been playing into politics with the previous president being a little, you know, social media whore, and then getting booted off. But uh, the the uh, impeachment trials going on, so much of the evidence being being presented are social media posts by the yeah. people who it's crazy people who are incriminating themselves is yeah fascinating yeah. so it's our, our our industry is everywhere i mean that's one of the cool things about what we do is it it touches just about every aspect of life oh i have right. not been i have not been following the news this week so i don't know what's going on oh, currently i can't stop watching boy do i have really? some interesting news for you what is that i was doing my usual pre-show research this week oh is which, that a thing am i supposed to be doing that no this is that's just what i do <laughs> uh and uh part of it is always reading the php annotated blog posts that come out every month from php storm jetbrains yeah uh, and, you know, this is JetBrains, the number one IDE for PHP development and uh, obscure, 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 company. obscure Ukrainian company. Yeah. Um, 
And I was going through it all, and it's got you know some great resources, some good stuff we're going to talk about later. And I get all the way to the bottom, the very, very, very bottom, and it says notable podcasts this month. Oh, he's building up the tease. It has uh, the PHP Internal News podcast and great podcast, by the way, great podcast, and some uh, unheard of podcast called PHP Ugly. Really? What? It has it has two of the episodes listed that we released last month, or well, this month, I guess. And uh, yeah, someone uh, someone up there in uh, JetBrains land actually listens to us. The article was written by Roman Pronsky. I don't know if he actually listens to us. And uh, on, upon discovering that that we were listed for some reason in the JetBrains newsletter, I uh, wet myself and then went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the weird part is there's only those two listed. It's not like yeah, only those. We're two. not part of. We're not listed with twenty other PHP podcasts. Roundtables, roundtables, not there. Uh, Lair, the Laravel snippet. PHP podcast. Obvi- obviously, there. JetBrains doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's, 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 That's it's, my take. Take cl- away. Clearly, somebody needs to tune that AI yeah. a little bit. It's, it's planned it's, to, it's, to, to tank their stock somehow. <laughs> It's this cancel culture thing. They're trying to get canceled because someone shorted jet brains. <laughs> it, it was funny because I had uh, gotten on a call with Thomas earlier to help him with this setup. You see how well that went. And he's like, hey, did you did you see the link I posted in Slack? I'm like, yeah, the, the PHP uh, Storm annotations? Yeah. He's, I know, right? Cool, right? I'm like, what? Yeah, I mean... They, it's a it's a blog they do it all the time dude it's you didn't see so then of course he no, he, he had to sit there and let me like scroll over it like four or five times i'm like i don't see what you're talking about he's like right, look look at the bottom now hold it up to a mirror <laughs> scroll down for half an hour and then you'll see it at the very bottom it's below the footer but it did feel good to see it's always good to see like see php ugly pop up like it happens every so often it doesn't happen too i love my favorite thing is when somebody's like hey i'm putting together a list of php podcasts anybody have any suggestions and you know all the all the norms come out there and we always have like that one soldier out there it's like PHP ugly yeah, and dorks. It's always buttery. <laughs> no, it's it it's it bounces around. Buttery pops in there a few times. Recently, it was somebody else. I, I forgot who it was now. But buttery is our uh, PR manager. Yeah, I don't know. Dimitri gives him a run for his money. Dimitri, Dimitri is a much more aggressive social media PR hound for us. He he makes sure our name gets out there constantly. What are we up to? Like two hundred and fifteen uh, subscribers now. Speaking of which. Click that subscribe oh, button right there. Well, yeah, yeah. So for, as for YouTube, we're up to 200-something, but our uh, our weekly episodes are picking up about 500 downloads on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're way more popular than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> so He's from now on, I'll be, yeah, I'll, I'll be using a kitten filter over my video just in case. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am I'm not a kitten. <laughs> I am not a kitten. It's that was so funny the way that ended with with him saying that. I was, I was uh, so sad. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sorry. It was hilarious. Uh, what was it? A lawyer, a couple lawyers, and a judge got onto a Zoom call, and one of the lawyers had a a kitten filter, and he didn't know how to turn it off. 
Well, and they're all like in their seventies, so they all they're like calling their nieces and nephews over. They're like, "Is the filter on my end or like which?" I I believe your video is a kitten filter. Uh, yes, I'm uh I'm uh, speaking with my assistant about that right now. I uh I am not a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to move forward. I'm not a kitten. <laughs> I'm not a kitten. <laughs> The way uh, John started that, it sounded like some sort of joke. It's like you know, three lawyers and a Zoom call. <laughs> three, three lawyers start a Zoom call. One of them's a kitten. <laughs> I, uh, I've i gone crypto crazy again. Oh, dear. Yeah. I uh, You know, with the whole Dogecoin thing, which I will have a disclaimer for in a minute, I it's gotten my interest back up. Things have really changed in the crypto world since I last was into it, which has been a couple of years now. And boy, it is fascinating. Um, but one Do of the tell. big things is the IRS. The IRS really took notice of Check crypto that. and basically cracked down on it completely. Um, <clears throat> so if you're, if you're how, moving, basically if you're trading crypto four times within a month, then you're, you have to register as a day trader. Really? Yeah. What? Um, Binance <clears throat> is uh, one of the big uh, trading platforms for crypto, and they actually have to have their own U.S. domain for all of their U.S. customers. And then they have Binance.com for the rest of the world because the the legal team at the IRS cracked down on them so hard and basically said, you're going to have to report everybody's actions to the IRS and so if they're going to trade, they have to have a physical address and social security number registered, and you have to do all this stuff. So trading on those markets is is a rough like entry. Um, and it took me a week and a half to get uh, approved on the Binance market. Oh, wow. Do, do you think they did that because they have a U.S.-based company or employees? Otherwise, why would, why would they care? have to right Why would because that the, because the u.s will crack down on foreign companies allowing illegal trading of it's, american it's not illegal assets. trading them well no but it nothing is nothing illegal about it well, if you huh? it is now if you're not reporting How? it because trading the the trading systems they always reported to the irs already but the crypto systems didn't report to the irs so once they reclassified crypto as stock then these trading platforms oh. are now actually participating in stock market trades. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a regulatory nightmare, um, and it gets it gets real messy when you start looking at stable coins and tokens, which are on the same network, but you trade them, and that counts as trading a stock, even if it's on the same network. Um, uh, valueless coins, things like that. So there's there's a lot going on, uh, and all of the crypto systems right now basically have a here's how you sign up here's how you file your taxes series of links mm. so mm. so it is it is cool getting into it's cool i've learned uh how to read candlestick charts um how to do uh you know staked positions and options and things like that uh i'm not messing with that kind of stuff a whole lot uh doing a lot of uh technical analysis for coins and seeing like what i believe the future is and that's kind of where we get into Dogecoin. Um, so the, the big thing that everyone's been talking about the last couple of weeks is Doge. And I remember when it first started, I was like, that's cool. I'm really into it. It's a meme coin. 
it's just a joke. But it, my understanding of it just went as far as like, yeah, the name is a joke. It doesn't like have a practical purpose or anything like that. But the reality is that on a on a very technical level, it is a joke. Like the the joke goes all the way to the actual code of the program of the of the blockchain. Um, Dogecoin produces a massive payout per block and has a massive, massive upper limit of total coins that can be produced. So when you buy a coin on Doge it instantly gets devalued by the next block that gets mined because the the uh, the resource the amount of coins available is constantly going higher and higher and higher um with something like uh uh litecoin or bitcoin uh they have an upper limit of coins that'll be produced ever there's going to be a time in a few years where that limit gets hit and no more no more coins are mined whatsoever um, and it also has a very stable, slow rate of generating coins. So when you look at the market availability and the demand, you can say, here's demand, here's availability, here's where they meet in the middle and balance out. But with Dogecoin, availability will always outpace demand no matter what, because there's just such a massive amount available. And there are wallets that contain 20% of the total coinage of the chain, which is a massive disruption to the market if someone wants to sell it or move it. So Dogecoin right now, I think it's at like six and a half, seven cents. Uh, it might get to 10 cents at some point, but then it will immediately crash down again. It's this idea of Dogecoin going to a dollar is total fiction. There's no way it can actually happen because people would have to be investing huge amounts of money. And if Dogecoin went to a dollar at its current market cap, it would be more money than all the other coins combined. John, can you just please note the date and time? He said Dogecoin would never go to a dollar so that when it goes to a dollar, we can say, hey, remember when you said this? If you had bought Dogecoins, you'd be a billionaire right now. Well, that was the thing is that my friend did buy Dogecoins because he was already in a market that had his credit card and authentication stuff. Um, when I went to go buy Dogecoin, it went from, it had gone from $0.03 cents to $0.08 cents by the time I got verified. So I decided to do my research. And basically, you go to the Dogecoin subreddit, and and ninety percent of the posts are like, "Yes, to the moon, we're the best, everything's fun and great." But like a good portion of the posts are like, "Listen, you guys need to understand the technical issues here. Don't put your life savings in this, because technically, ten cents is the highest it will ever go. Because as soon as it hits ten cents, people have stop limit orders to dump a billion coins onto the market, literally a billion coins onto the market. So like it's." It's not gonna happen. It can't happen. Uh, and that's that's my that was my start of getting into the research for all of the other coin stuff. How um, how pegged coins work? Coins that are are against a dollar or against a Chinese yuan, things like that. Why those exist? How you use them? Uh, it's it's cool stuff. And then in the midst of all this, Bitcoin is shooting through the roof, and so is Ethereum. But I told you guys I went through my wallet and I found like 40 cents worth of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. I tried to transfer that to uh, my trading account. The transaction fee for that 40 cents was $22. Because <laughs> it turns out that Ethereum has a scaling problem. You just don't understand finances, Tom. <laughs> uh, Ethereum right now has a, a ex exploded gas price. Um, so yeah, if you want to transfer anything, you're talking like a minimum of $20 to just move it from one wallet to another. Wow. Uh, 
tokens, the ERC-20 tokens that all of this uh, distributed uh, investment stuff, the DeFi and the DEX stuff is built on, uh, that was earlier this week upwards of $120 to transfer tokens. Jeez, I'm remembering how much I hated when you guys talked about Bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> I Good can't believe Bitcoin. Bitcoin's up to 47000 well, Elon Bitcoin. Musk or Tesla bought one5 billion dollars worth of bitcoin which is just crazy you need something to finance uh the banks on mars man you're gonna send it up there well what's interesting about that is that that gives him a very strong leverage over the market people were wondering why tesla didn't get into the bitcoin game earlier which someone had actually talked a dealership into accepting bitcoin at one point so he bought a tesla model s um on bit, uh, out of out of Bitcoin. Um, unfortunately, that Bitcoin is now valued at four point one million dollars. So That's an expensive car. Oops. Teslas aren't <laughs> cheap, man. Uh, no, they're not. That didn't even cover maintenance. Um, but now you know. Now that the accounting department has Bitcoin, when they start seeing fluctuations in the market, they can actually adjust those fluctuations by selling. You've got and fifteen more. fucking more seconds to talk cryptocurrency, and you better have some PHP shit. Bring bring some PHP to the table. Jesus Christ, man. Uh. <laughs> uh PHP eight point one is coming out. Is getting RFCs approved. Uh, that's good to hear. What about what about version statistics, Thomas? Are there do you are you aware of any statistics? Well, this is interesting. So I was looking all this stuff up, uh, st- you know, version wise, because we were having the conversation about WordPress and and inexperienced users using PHP, saying that you mm-hmm. know not all PHP users are developers, which I still think is I stupid. That. But uh, packages that statement stupid. You- you calling me stupid? No, it wasn't you. <laughs> Packagist, because they use they rely entirely on Composer, can gather stats about what PHP versions are running every time you run Composer. So they released some stats last year, or I guess like a year and a half ago now, and they see adoption very successful. Uh, PHP seven three was at thirty percent. Seven two was at twenty seven point five. 7.4 was at 20%, 7.1 was at 11.6. And you, you start getting down to the the, PH, uh, the PHP 5 versions. PHP 7 has 93% of the market for Packagist. Now, they, they acknowledge that that's, they're leaning on the fact that this is modern development pipeline. But that's exactly what I was about to say. I think those are very misleading because all the developers who are on the older versions of PHP Aren't using Composer. Well, I, I'm guilty of being part of that PHP five six five percent. I have a five six oh, yeah. application. Have a five six application out there. Still that does use Composer. I'm actually started today trying to test it in seven four seven four. Well, <clears throat> yep, it didn't go well, <laughs> but I, I at least started. <laughs> I installed seven four on the machine. <laughs> The code code is so bad. It's so old and bad. Well, we we have some cool PHP stuff coming up. Um, I didn't realize that the array unpacking stuff didn't work if there were string keys in the array. So if it was like name equals Tom, date of birth equals whatever. Uh, Oh, string string keys didn't work. Yeah. 
Hmm. Um, the main reason it didn't work is because they didn't want to have the fight when they were accepting this for 8.0 to which version of array merging are you going to use when two arrays collide? Uh, so Nikita Popov, the famous Nikita Popov, said, well, here's my opinion. We use array merge the end. And... Submitted that to uh, submitted that RFC got a hundred percent accepted vote, mm. which I've never seen. But yeah, hundred percent accepted vote. Uh, we also got inheritance cash, not an area I understand at all. Uh, it's a very technical thing about how classes are linked to each other and how inheritance between classes is instantiated and cached back and forth. However, uh, Dmitry Stogov wrote this this pull request and submitted it to PHP, and his pull request added an 8% performance on Symphony's Hello World app, just out of, out of thin air. Hmm. Uh, so I believe you can expect 8.1 to just have a, for no good reason, 8% performance increase. <laughs> There's your PHP news. Are you happy, Eric? I'm much happier. Thanks. I feel like it, I feel like it, I'm trying to add. Uh, I'm trying to do our show notes to the uh, Discord. I'm liking. So can... I'm liking that you're doing that. I noticed it. Yeah. Oh, I did. So last week, you know, I do all the uh, post-show production stuff. Uh, I create. I edit this audio down to the audible version of the podcast. I uh, get everything published. One of the one of the things that took the longest. T- amount of time where the show notes i mean i don't do like detailed show notes but essentially i just go to our trailer board i grab all the cards didn't i say i was gonna automate that links. for you wow if i could just finish the story it'd be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> so uh I, w- I was talking about it a couple weeks ago about how this was so difficult so tom mentioned he's like hey i think trillio has or trillo has uh some apis and he found them and posted them in the in our slack and so I built a little bot to build the show notes for us. And yet last week was the first time I got to use it, and it worked flawlessly. So nice. I was very happy. I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to thank you for that idea, Thomas. Now what I need to do is I need to get the APIs for all of the things that I do before the show. So I like I go into restream and I change the titles. I go into Trillio, Trillo, and I create. Uh, a column for the show. I need to write a little script that to automate all that. And I'll have well, a good chunk of the show stuff automated. Well, if, if Thomas is just solving issues left and right, I could really use the keys to the U S mint, not saying why, but that would be nice. You got a 3d printer. John. Just print yeah. the key. Come on. You've seen Mr. <laughs> Robot. You know how this works. <laughs> you just take a, you get a picture of photographs of somebody carrying the key and then you just print it. <laughs> That's how it works now. That's actually been tested and did work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't surprise me. I, why, why am I not surprised by it, that? It works better if you if you 3D print a mold and then use that mold to cast a metal key. But that would even, make more sense. Even a plastic yeah. key really doesn't take much. I used to have a plastic key for my car. Yeah, that, that. that you put it in your wallet. You kept yeah. it in your wallet. Yeah, I had those. I had one of those for my Camaro. Yeah, never had to use it. Fortunately, now, but. Now cars don't even have keys. I know. Mine does. Cow world. We live. This is Sad. as far in the future as I want to go. I, I don't. I don't need <laughs> flying cars. I, I wouldn't mind what? teleportation, but I don't. I can't get my head around how that would actually work. I. I still. 
stand by the fact that you're killing one body yeah. and, and regenerating another body. Hundred percent. So you're I'm, just you're killing I'm yourself, not, and the clone lives on. Exactly. I'm not happy with that thought. So I'm okay without teleportation. I'm good, man. I've, is, you I'm know, far enough in the future. I've always been bothered by the fact that Star Trek didn't address this issue because they've they've done since it became like a philosophical thing. They've had new seasons, new shows, new series, movies, but they've never talked about the invention of the teleporter and how much that would fuck up society. Like just psychologically, materially, just, you know, all of a sudden Angkor Wat is overrun with tourists because it takes, it's a $5 trip to anywhere in the world you want to go. Like everything would be destroyed. The the planet would be well, evenly distributed that, that, in humans burning everything. That's my argument for, for, uh, for Marvel's, uh, in games. It's like, okay, I get it. The snap happened. Half the world disappeared. You can't just bring them all back. Okay, like, so then I know you haven't been watching. Lives. I know you haven't been watching WandaVision. Then I have not. I, I tried. Stop, I haven't. I haven't yet. I tried like the first two shows. I'm like, I can't do this. It uh, the first four episodes are establishing a greater issue. I've got people saying it's it's good <clears throat> that I need to watch it. Uh, it's very like, good. Really? Yeah. Really? It's it's very, so, very it's very, very good. And it is the first uh it is the first Marvel attempt at the unsnapping situation and how bad that is as well. So once I get through the my series of the magicians, then I will switch over to that. Yeah, I wouldn't bother with the last two seasons. Of WandaVision? Or the magicians? No, of, of the magicians. Oh really? I mean they're I'm all right. On, I'm on I think I'm on near the end of three going into four. Yeah. Four is great. Five season. <clears throat> I think there's only five seasons. There's the, is there's three in the library or not? Yes. Okay. So yeah, it kind of goes poopy after that. Mm. What's the magicians. I don't know that one. Uh, it's like Netflix if Harry Potter show. was full of alcoholics. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like, you know, adults or, or like college students basically like, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, yeah. Ma- magic exists now. Uh, what bizarre ways will wizards have sex? Gross. <laughs> uh, what happens if like wizards don't take it seriously and just start fucking with normal people for fun? You know? What happens if you kill a god? You know. Yeah. So, John, you uh, you uh, mentioned how we uh, kind of called in last week's show. We kind of sandbagged it and didn't do that great on the live stream. Uh, <laughs> I think all three of us fell asleep said, at one point. I uh, I cleaned it up on the audio podcast. I don't know. Did I say that on the show or did I say did. that before the show? No, you, you just oh, Okay, that. so so I am restating myself. I will have to say, so we're talking about automation and a lot of my editing of the podcast now because we all have pretty good mics because we're using Zencaster and it keeps our tracks lined up really good. I've been able to automate a lot of the editing of the podcast. And one of the steps I do is to trim out silence, gaps of silence, like large gaps of silence. It usually knocks about, I mean, and all in all, it typically knocks five to eight minutes off of our podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then I can start cutting it down. Yesterday, or yesterday, last week, it like <laughs> knocked out 45 minutes of the podcast. Like, <laughs> I think the entire podcast ran 45. It might have been our shortest audio podcast to date. It was like 45 minutes long. 
That's and that's a da- that's a dangerous tool because you I've you have to tweak it to get it to sound right. Otherwise, people start cutting into each other, and like I, I've uh, I've got it dialed in so well now, and I'm still too paranoid to do it after. So so ideally, I would go through and edit the podcast because sometimes I silence somebody's track or I'll cut out some some background noise, and then I then I should run the the truncate silence, but. I got bit too many times uh, where I would get choppiness through the podcast. So now I do it before I edit before I edit the actual podcast, and then I go through and start editing it so I know I don't have cho- that choppiness that you're talking why do you, about. Why do you think you should do it that way? Like, what what's Be- your because, reasoning for doing it afterwards? Because uh, when I'm editing the podcast, I'm gr- I'm creating more. Uh, gaps. I'm I'm creating more silences because like sometimes there there'll be like a a four or five second silence, but Thomas is doing something in the background that's creating some noise. So I have to I get now go through and I manually edit those out as opposed to just letting the software take care of it. But I've got gotcha. my truncate silence uh, um, configuration dialed in so well that I don't want to screw with it. Like I don't want to try to like tweak it at all because it works really well but yeah i do my truncate silence and i normalize all the audio streams and then i start editing well unfortunately that kind of automation is actually being weaponized now weaponized yes specifically that that sort (laughs) of audio keeps coming out so very weaponized (laughs) (laughs) that sort of audio detection um there was a complaint this week about a guy who was having an issue with a cop who was not necessarily behaving appropriately. And while filming it, the cop pulled out his phone and started playing Santeria by Sublime. Okay. Which meant that once the video this guy was recording got uploaded to anywhere, oh, it would get, get a copyright. It would get a copyright strike and be taken down <laughs> through an automated system. Interesting. That's and, interesting. That, that's fascinating. And that really happened? Like that there's... really happened. Uh, and actually, it appears that it's happened a couple times now that that police officers have gotten together and shared this idea that, hey, did you know that if this music is playing while you're arresting somebody, then any recordings of it will be dropped off the internet automatically. I told you that happened to us, right, Thomas? I'll look at you, John. What? Yeah, but, uh, that happened to us when we used to, before we, we had the office, before we, had, we got the office, uh, we uh, used to get the team together and we do breakfast, you know, development sessions and we frequent this crepe shop. Uh, That's that, right. I forgot about this. Yeah. And I, I used my little 3d camera when we first got it. And, and the crepe owner was very curious about the 3d camera. He, he was you know, wanting to do it. I was like, yeah, man, you could stream this to, to, you know, the, to YouTube and people can see you making crepes and they can pan around. So I, I show him a demo, and I'm trying to share the video, and it happens so fast. I'd, I'd gotten home. I didn't do it all there. I think I had gotten home and uploaded it and tried to share the video with him, and he's like, I, I can't see the video. It, it's it's saying that it's not accessible. I'm like, what? And it got copyright strike because there was music playing in the background. It was Jimi Hendrix was playing in the, in the background. Yeah. And within like three or four hours, it, it was, it, they had taken it down. I was like, yeah, oh, man. And that crazy. technology is just getting faster. I mean, they're doing it during live streams now where they're warning a person that they hear copyrighted music and they should probably turn it off. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. This is an interesting thing about the, the cyberpunk video game that came out is they actually have a, a switch in the options 
to turn off all the copyrighted music and only use uh, uh, free licensed music in the game so that mm-hmm. streamers could play it without worrying about getting takedowns. That's a fascinating option. Yeah. And I think it's the first game I've, I've, I've heard of doing it. And, and streaming is just so popular now that that makes sense. I'm surprised they even put copyrighted music in there because it costs them money, doesn't it? Well, it's all custom written for the game, but licensing is complicated. Mm. I see. Um, but yeah, Did streaming. You see, the, you see the little video I released? Uh, I meant to talk about it last week. Uh, I, I have my little Tinker plugin for Vim now. Did, did I? Did you see this? You guys didn't see it. No. I actually, I actually released a video. I, let me see if I can find it. I, I, I think I posted it in, in Discord. I must. Have, I know I did it on on, twi- on Twitter. But uh, so you know, I use Vim a lot. We've talked about this in the past. Don't need to get into that whole thing, but I have some pretty cool workflows in Vim. One of the things that always would bug me is uh, I have this thing called Float Term in NeoVim now. One of the coolest little integrations into Vim, and it you know it allows you to bring up basically anything you want and stay inside Vim. So you can bring up a, ter- a terminal. You can you know I, I have uh, that lazy Git. Is how I used to I used to use Fugitive uh, in Vim to, to manage my Git repos. Now I don't even worry about that. I just bring up lazy Git and, and use that. Um, but the one thing I, I would bring up a lot because I do Laravel development is Tinker. Um, and yeah. if you're not familiar, Tinker has like a standalone little app or, you know, if, if you, if you, you can always bring up Tinker at the command line. My gripe with bringing up Tinker in them was that when I got out of Tinker, I would lose that Tinker session. So I would every time I'd go back into Tinker, it would create a new session, which doesn't sound terrible. But if I'm doing a bunch of debugging, I like to keep that history. Like I like to see what I did, and so I had I had, I've actually got gotten it configured so that when I call Tinker from Invim, it launches a Tmux session, fires up Tinker. And then saves that Tmux section. So if I call it again, it'll see if a Tmux section a session exists for Tinker, and if it does, it'll display that. And it worked. It's worked fantastically. I'm so happy with it. I thought um, you moved so back to, to PHP Storm. I, I I do. I bounce back and forth. I mean, like I said, you know, it's just whatever whatever mood strikes me. That it depends on what I'm doing. Like right that now, sounds annoying. Live No, it's not. I, I've gotten everything mapped so well together now. Uh, Livewire. I get frustrated trying to do Livewire in Vim because the plugins aren't intelligent enough to understand what Livewire is and how even Blade components how blade components uh, work. So it won't do the auto completion. It won't do the IntelliSense that um, I get out of PHP Storm. I don't think it's IntelliSense. I think PHP Storm has been coded to understand what blade components are and what live wire components are. Uh, so I get a lot of, I, I get a lot of uh, intelligence from PHP Storm when I'm doing that stuff. But if I'm just doing, you know, just Laravel stuff or PHP stuff, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's whatever I feel like using it at that time. You know, if, if I think I'm going to be working with somebody or I don't know, I, I can't even tell you what dictates me going back and forth, but I'll find that video. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in discord right now. Um, you guys don't have to look at it now, but uh, it's cool, man. I can't even remember where I posted it. I think I posted it on my Diego Dev account. So yeah, I, I, I bounce it back and forth. I don't know. I don't know how you, yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird. It's like when I'm using them, I ask myself, 
why do I use PHP Storm? This is so perfect. And then I use PHP Storm again. I'm like, all right, all right, I, I see it. I see it. I'll use this. That's fine. <laughs> Tom, I see you have a card on on yours about dependency hijacking. Yeah, I happen to have. I happen to have a, a similar. I'm assuming uh, article about dependency confusion. I'm wondering if they're if they're referencing basically the same thing. Well, there was an incident. We'll start with that. Um, a hacker had taken over or, or had gained access to a number of uh, high-priority targets, uh, Apple, Microsoft, and, and many other companies, by uh, basically saying, going into uh, their package management systems and saying, I have a newer version of this package. Um, so this, this article covers, it's, this is by Packagist, and it sort of covers why Packagist doesn't have this problem, um, but Ruby, uh, NPM, PIP, and Gems do have this problem. They don't have a namespace on their uh, packages and don't necessarily have lock files, or at least always follow their lock files. Um, so the issue is that if you said, you know, if, if the official package was uh, uh, strings 11.1, and you said, hey, I published strings 11.2. Then when you went to update your packages, it saw 11.2 and said, hey, that's the newest one. That's the one I want. Um, even though it's a different author. Even though it's a different author. Uh, because of how, configuration how... issues, because of namespace issues. Um, the the article is, the one you're referencing is Dependency Confusion, How I Hacked into Apple, Microsoft, and Dozens of Other Companies. And... That's this hacker's breakdown, uh, Alex Bearson, of basically how he took advantage of these trusted chain type systems. Um, it, it wasn't as straightforward as just dropping in and changing a version number, I don't believe. But right, he he came down to he's saying something about DNS. Yeah, um, but it definitely it definitely it, it highlights problems in the trusted code chain that we all use. Um, Packagist is not as vulnerable to this kind of issue. Uh, they they release an update that actually always prefers custom uh, repositories. So if you're referencing a custom repository, then it will always use that one, even if there's a newer version on the Packagist repository. Uh, the, the vendor name is a reserved namespace. You cannot overwrite it. So once once your company has one package on Packagist, that namespace is yours. Uh, you can also use private Packagist, which uh, uses that same methodology where you just you manually control which packages are uh, approved or not approved, which is a feature I didn't know about. That you can with with private Packagist, you can say, "Hey, these are the things I use." Uh, when there's an update, notify me, but don't automatically let my system update to it. I have to approve them one at a time. That's handy, because if you've ever done Composer Update, you'll notice it just updates everything that you've got. Yeah. I So the code I primarily work on, they don't allow that. It's very, very controlled as far as you're only allowed to update one package at a time. If a, if a Composer.lock file comes in and it's crazy like too many things have changed it gets kicked back that's good mm. um and with composer 2 they actually allow explicit uh regular expression based blocking of things so you can you can do all sorts of interesting things uh but yeah as these these kinds of supply chain attacks 
they're becoming more and more and more common. Um, you know, this is a very similar attack that we saw with solar winds, uh, where once you're at a, a low point in the supply chain, it sort of just works itself through the rest of the deployed systems. Private packages is actually kind of expensive. I don't Not know what fourteen surprising. what I don't know what fourteen euro works out to in U.S. dollars, but it's like seventeen 14 bucks. U- kind of ex- oh, it's per is that per user? Hold on, per let me check. repository or user. Let me check out my fiat money. Tr- Sixteen ninety eight. So you're Let's, right on the money there. Literally, Thomas. Just pull up uh, pull up forex. Look at the relationship to gold, and then uh, figure it out from there. Is that all you gotta do? That's all you got to do. It's simple stuff. Um, That's crazy. In in web dev stuff, uh, last year, uh, quarter four 2019, 7.3% of U.S. subscribers to broadband services used a terabyte a month. This year, 14.1% use a terabyte a month. So the the pandemic work from home situation has doubled the number of people who are using over a terabyte a month, which if you're paying the bill for your broadband service, know that that's the highest tier. It's up to a terabyte and then you have to pay for unlimited. Yeah, I'm already on unlimited. <laughs> yeah, and abs- we're the type of people who are going to have the, the unlimited service. But the the question comes, how long are they going to price – everything at the unlimited service level now. I mean, are they going to have a two terabyte service? You know, two and a half percent of users do use two terabytes a month. So like, how long are they going to keep screwing us over with the network that we paid for them to build? Mm. Uh, And this isn't just techie subscribers. This is family use, multiple Netflix streamers in a house, multiple gamers, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the, this high speed data or, or high volume data is becoming more and more ubiquitous. I mean, people aren't buying DVDs anymore. They're downloading Blu-rays, which are 36 gigs a pop. And, mm-hmm. and we're not seeing the ISP markets adjusting for this. Oh, that's I like, gotta, I, I was going to say, I got to wonder with the cable companies, what happens if I stop taking their broadband? If I, if I stop taking their cable feed and, as more and more people stop taking cable because they're streaming everything, isn't that mm-hmm. lightening their their the pipeline, well, their their data rates already? You would think that that well, would make sense because it's all digital, right? Well, it's all broadcast though, so they can send the same pipe to an area that then gets it doesn't get split till it gets to you. So I guess mm-hmm. that doesn't really change much. Never mind. Talk myself out of that. Well, but <laughs> these ISPs in in markets that are completely dominated by a single ISP, uh, even in metropolitan areas, are so actually everywhere in the U.S. Yeah, they're actually going to be running up against some really tough competition soon, sooner than soon this year. In what uh, way? I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but uh, Tesla's Starlink program is out there. People are using I, it. I have not seen that. Uh, Starlink is Tesla's. Uh, tens of thousands of tiny satellites internet service. And if you're if you've ever used satellite internet, you know how terrible it is, how latency is upwards of 300 milliseconds, download speeds are terrible, upload speeds are terrible. Starlink just ends that problem. Uh really? the satellites the satellites are in low earth orbit. They're hundreds of kilometers lower orbit than normal satellites. So your latency times for them are much, much faster. And 
they're not geosynchronous, which creates this interesting issue. Uh, the satellite can't really move fine enough to keep track of a single, uh, the, the dish, the consumer dish can't move in a fine enough motion to keep track of a satellite zipping across the sky at incredibly high speed. So it's using a military technology where the dish is actually composed of hundreds of small dishes, which are controlled by electrostatic uh, motion to point at, to like focus the beam anywhere they want within the, the area of the dish. Um, and I believe right now it's being sold for $200 for the, the satellite kit, which is pretty what cheap. Of, what kind of speeds are people getting? Uh, people are getting, uh, well, Linus Tech Tips did a video and he was able to stream four 4K YouTube videos simultaneously and was getting 60 millisecond ping times while gaming. So it's a straight up, I mean, he, I believe he was over somewhat over a hundred megabit per second, like 130 megabit per second, hmm. which easily qualifies at broadband. Uh, and this is deployable international anywhere in the world. You just turn the dish on, it finds the satellites locks in on it and you have broadband access so i want to look into that just out of my own curiosity i know i mean two hundred dollars like isn't isn't actually that much to like just play with it uh naturally there's availability issues uh because it's a it's a beta product right now and i believe they have seven thousand satellites up in the sky right now and their goal is thirty two thousand satellites and there's a lot of cool design stuff in the satellites too. The, the satellites are designed to have a lifespan where they burn up in entry to the atmosphere once their uh, use is cut short. Uh, but they also they also they they're using the uh, magnetic thrust vectoring technology that like ten years ago was totally fictional, and now it's just like in spacecraft. <laughs> so for me, it'd be five hundred dollars for the hardware, a hundred dollars a month for service. Yeah, which if I mean, if you were in a if you were in a van driving around the country, like yeah, done deal. Mm-hmm. And it's fast enough for Netflix, YouTube, gaming, business, like all that stuff. It's really oh, cool. Crap, I could get internet out when I go camping. <sighs> Sold. That, Not really. That'll, that'll make the wife happy. She'll she'll be real thrilled <laughs> to see that. It'll make the kids quiet, which makes the wife happy. No, that's we're right. not a we're not a screen time family. So oh, that's right. I forgot. Quite the same way. <laughs> He's better. He's better people than that, Thomas. No, not necessarily. It's just we we do when the kids do have screen time. It's a friggin' nightmare. Two seconds afterwards, even though before it's like, hey, we're going to watch this. And then afterwards, we are going to brush our teeth or get ready for bed or whatever. As soon as that TV goes off, nightmare. <laughs> what a pain in the butt. Jan, I'm, I'm, you've had this uh, card on your Trello board for a while. I'm really curious about why. I want to know if there's a story behind it. Uh, no. The pace bend? No, I, wa- I want to I wanna show my age again real quick. Going back to satellites. I remember being in uh-huh. college and having a friend trying to run a... Uh, a BBS and supposedly had a satellite in his in his house to run his BBS. Like that's crazy. <laughs> uh, and this is forget- it's not the small. This isn't the Dish Network satellite. This is the like eight foot diameter. Yeah, the huge the, one. The yard killer. Uh, yeah, I put this card on there and I I kept meaning to go look at actual data because I remember using Pastebin years ago, and I guess it's no longer a thing, but. Laravel's brought it back and opens, I believe, open sourced it. 
but you can What's the, you can you can now do it at pace.laravel.io. How's that different than a gist? I do not know. That's why I haven't uh, brought it up. It's been on my uh, on my Trello board, but I haven't done anything with it. It it has a default Laravel installation, so you can actually use all the Laravel helpers, uh, references, oh. things like that. You can build a model in Pastebin and then reference the mutators and accessors and stuff. So it's what? just it, this- it's. Does it's it Laravel actually, specific. Doesn't actually doesn't actually run your code or anything, right? Uh, I don't see how. Yeah, I, so I, I don't know what you're what you mean. It's got all of those things. I believe that it actually does execute your code. Oh, it's got a secret no. dark mode down in the bottom. Yeah, you go to the bottom. I, I stumbled onto that. Yeah, I did not know that. It, it can't execute your code. I, I, I no, come on. You so can't handle the truth. But it's Hello. not doing any. I mean, there's sort nothing of to say. Run. There, not necessarily run, but it's not even game. doing validation. I can't. It's not. There's no autocomplete or anything. So I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it's not even. It's not even highlighting code for me right now. Do I have to do the PHP symbol? I tried that. It's broken. It that shows broken. So it, it's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't see what this is. Yeah, I don't know what it's supposed to do. It just gives you a UI. <laughs> it gives you a UID to share to share some. So it, it is like you said. Oh. It it's a gist. Okay. UUID. So I know we're running late. I have one of my kids works uh, for trans support family, and uh, their role is as a counselor. Their focus is uh, youths uh, who are doing going through uh, trans uh, or uh, transitions. Um, My mind's blinking. Anyways, I am constantly getting called out for assuming genders. And it's one yeah, of the, do one of the, whatever, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm an old man. I'm trying, but you know, I, I, I take, I, I have particular issues, but whatever. However, it, I, it, 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 please don't cancel me for relating these two, but I, I, I feel like I got a sense of what that's like. I wish people would stop assuming what my ID data type is. Because every time I download a package and it it tries to reference an ID data type for me, it always assumes I'm doing an init. And it's so an, frustrating. An, an I, an I, init I spend, or an integer? Uh, I'm sorry, um, integer. Uh, it's it's so. I I I, uh, I spent the uh, so I'm working on something I want to show you, John. Those uh, are not it's, those it's are just those internal. are not equatable at all. No, it's just internal. That will be removed from the podcast. It turns out that uh, Nova, I guess Nova's doing, it's not event sourcing, but it's doing some sort of um, logging now of actions. I think think that's actually what the table's called, like action list. And it, it... it grabs your model type and your model ID. And I'm, you know, per- makes perfect sense. It's not doing any sort of foreign key restraints or anything. So just make the model ID a string and make it a string long enough for UUID. So if people are using nits, it'll take that. If people are using Ints. UUIDs, it'll take that. I, I said it again, integer. <laughs> people are using integers, it'll take that. Uh, you know, and, and then I, what other package I use? Oh, the one I was asking you about, uh, Thomas, the state machine. Um, I, 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 I think John actually replied to me. I'm like, hey, didn't we talk about state machines or something? And yes, when we were talking I, about you, you had confused the enums with the state machine thing, right? Because I wanted I wanted to have a state machine, and this 
this admin interface I, I was developing for Diego Dev. So I, I found this package, and it's doing the exact same thing. When states change, it grabs the model of the state, or the model that the state's related to, and that model ID. And it does the same thing. Every time I include a package now, I have to go in there and account for the fact that I'm using UIDs. The good thing about it is I haven't run into a scenario yet where the fact that I'm using a UUID breaks the package, but I don't know, man. It's how, like how, I, does, I, it, I almost, how does it not break the package? Because it doesn't care. It just wants to know the ID of the model. Because oh, it's so just, you, you change like, the tape you have to change the table for it to work. Is that what you mean? Right. Yeah, I just write another migration to to update the column type. But um oh. what was I about to say, say there? So but that I would almost work broke up down. until the fact it would break if they had type hints on their it would, on, yeah, on that's true. Methods. It would break if they had type hints. It would also break if they were doing some sort of uh, key restraint, maybe. Um, I'm not even sure if that would break, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're no, right, though. Case, if somebody were to put, still work. Uh, you're, if, they, if they were to do type hints on that, you're absolutely right, John. That would break it. But I almost broke down in doing this. I'm like, I right, forget it. I give up. I'm not using UIDs as my primary ID anymore. I'll just I'll just use the the uh, inits and then Ints. I'll uh, <laughs> the the integer. I'll just use the integer and then I'll create a UUID table and I'll know that a true ID is a UUID, but I'll let the database you know have the primary ID. And I started I started to write the migration. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm fixing this. This is I'm right there wrong. I'm doing it my way. Yeah, I did it be, in them it, and it was for Livewire. What? It'd be it wrong. would be easy enough to have another column. So do your primary key auto increment that's used for all that, but have the UUID that you actually pass out and show to people. Yeah, so the 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 reason I stopped doing it, and again, this is still you can still accommodate this, but it started coming down to relationships. I'm like, okay, well now if I do a relationship, I want to do the relationship based on the UUID because that's the whole point of having the UUID because I can move it to another data store, blah, blah, blah. So now I get, when I do my relationship, I've got to customize and say, okay, the relationship is based on this, you know, this as the ID. And I just, it, it, it just started, started snowballing from there. So I'm just like, I'll take the 10 minutes. And if, if my, Writing a migration to change it doesn't work. I just won't use the package because I didn't have to use the package. I mean, Nova would have kind of shot me in the foot uh, because I, I'm using Nova to shortcut a lot of my uh, forms right now. But uh, but the state machines, I've written state machines myself, so I, I would have been fine just having to recode that myself. But yeah, UUIDs, man. People need to get on board. Don't assume... You know what my ID column type what, is. What, while you were going on that rant, you mentioned event sourcing, which reminded me of something I learned yesterday or today. Have you used AWS CloudTrail? Mm, I don't think so. Basically, cloud, it's another cloud, stupid AWS service with a stupid no, name. It's not a it's not a stupid <laughs> service actually. And well, okay, another great AWS service with a stupid name. You it's could give me a hundred guesses, and I would get it wrong. It it's basically event sourcing everything within 
AWS so you can tell when people do things, but it goes a step further and says, not only when you change things, but when somebody has viewed something. So you can go in there and say, Eric viewed a list of EC2 instances. Oh, wow. So we had an incident recently where uh, one of PhoneBurner's PBX servers couldn't talk to the web server. We're like, what, like, how did this happen? And it turned out that somebody that looks for fraud that black block lists IP addresses via a security group or through the, the web application firewall saw this IP address in a report somewhere and just added it. Mm-hmm. Like how, yeah. why, what happened, when? And I was mm-hmm. able to find it through CloudTrail on it. Then I saw what this service does and it's crazy. Did you, I mean... Did you do? Did you find it after the fact, or did you guys already have it enabled? It was already enabled. Oh, Some, somebody. You know, we we had the we had that problem with another client, John. You know, yeah. Rec- recently, where we it stopped communicating with the database. It's like, wait, what happened? Why why can't it talk to the database anymore? And we had to do a big scramble. Uh, never did figure that one out. I never did look at. So there's separate pricing for it. I don't know what it means. Speaking Thirty five cents for a hundred thousand rights. Good. Speaking, Speaking of, of pricing, pricing, thanks to our Patreons. <laughs> Thank you, Patreon. Thank you, patri- patrons of Patreon. Patreons. This is the wrong yeah. list, but I love you all. Not even close. That's, be- that's, be- yeah. that's because even- Thomas's computer crashed. Hard. Very hard. Something else. <laughs> I, if I only you had a backup service on that thing and you kept your machine backed up. I believe if uh, pe- people who are, who are on this list requested specifically not to be. <laughs> <laughs> so you're allowed to take it off the screen then? Just saying. We'll fix that for the next show. Uh, okay. A whole, a whole show without talking about Argus. What happened there? What's Argus? Yeah, what happened there? I think I'm gonna break down. <laughs> Tom turned turned on me last week. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna cut back the free trial to to two weeks to fourteen fourteen days. That would make sense. I agree with that. Oh, because I mean, if you wanted to cover like all possible use cases, then like an annual first trial would would make more sense, or like a quarterly. Right, smart ass. Whatever, smart ass. <laughs> I, I've already said I, I agree with you guys. I'm gonna cut it back. So to make it clear, we have. Eric has managed to talk about Vim and Livewire, squeezing Livewire just under the wire. Did, did I? You did. <laughs> no, and no. we've got Argus. So, if, think... if you want, uh, if you want uh, forty-five free free trial, free for trial, forty-five Argus, day free trial for for Argus, you have till Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. He's not saying it. which Sunday. Sunday. I'm going to update it for around Sunday, Monday. Sunday, know. December 2027. Uh, it, it did feel good to see those, uh, those initial uh, uh, emails of, hey, you have a paying customer. I'm like, I, ah, thank you. I like money. <laughs> yeah. The and uh, the people at Diego Dev, jeez, uh, I am... I'm not talking correctly. The people at Diego Dev did take note of John's commitment to give everybody a year salary when we make our first ten million dollars. Yep, on Argus. Yep. So they're all very excited. Uh, I think that's it. I think you you did say ten million in profit in a single year, right? That's how it worked. Wow, out. we are adding all sorts of uh, Jeez. <laughs> all sorts of caveats to that. Jeez, ten million profit. <laughs> wow, that would be tough. Yeah. So, uh, 
Next week, I imagine we'll be talking about the fallout from having been listed on uh, JetBrains' monthly report. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the TMZ is going to be following us on the streets now. We're going to be so so popular. Yep. Yep, Eric will be canceled. I will, uh, I, yeah, I'm planning ahead of time uh, uh, of getting canceled here uh, because I actually may be bailing on you guys next week. Um, I uh, have to go back to Arizona, and it looks like we're going to leave Thursday for that. My mother sold her house. She's really? moving to Oklahoma. Yep. What? Yeah. Where did that come from? Well, it, it was we we we've all been talking about kind of heading to to uh, north northern Texas, the the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, that's where my nephew is. That's my sister's kid. My and so we've all kind of started saying, okay, well, let's see if we can't get the family back together. And you know, my mother and sister were looking at that, and they discovered that it was they could get more property in Oklahoma, which is it's like a two hour. Uh, drive from from Dallas, so they're still close enough to my sister's kids, and but not too know. close. <laughs> We're close enough, it's, but not yeah, too it's, close. It's an important it, it, measure with grandchildren. I mean, I drive six hours now to go out there on the weekends and do house stuff. So he he the the nephew can drive two hours and <laughs> do. It's just like driving up to LA from here. But I I I'm like, hey, you know, there's no there's no calling me saying you need me out there. <laughs> it's gonna take some time to get out there, so you guys know. But well, you can uh, you can yeah. stop by here in Colorado Springs, and uh, uh, we can play some pool, no. drink some beers. Can I? I don't think so. I, I think it's, you're out of the way. It's not a direct route. <laughs> no, it would, it would definitely not be a direct route. Very, <laughs> it would probably lonely. triple my route. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate. I do want to get out to Colorado. I, I'll be totally honest with you, Thomas. I. I will. I I'm going to when this pandemic's over. I'm just going to start going places. I don't know. Uh, oh, I don't know where, when this where. pandemic is over, literally nothing will change for me. Yeah, yeah. We were doing we were doing some good traveling there. We had gone up to Vancouver to Washington State. We'd gone on a cruise. Uh, we were starting. We were starting to move around a little bit, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to start going You're places also, again. You were also looking at a, at moving and. That seems to have gone by the wayside. Not, not, not to the wayside. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, literally, when the pandemic broke out, we had made plans. That same nephew in Fort Worth, we had made plans with them to stay with them for a month to look at houses. And that was happening. I mean, it, it was no, that's what we we're doing. We're going to go out there for a month. We're going to find a house. We're going to buy a house. We're going to move to Fort Worth. And then that's when the pandemic hit. And we're like, okay, let's. Let's let this blow over first. Let's see how long this takes. And then a year later. But that's it's starting to pick up again now. The wife gets to pick. I, I have I have uh I mean I have say, but I told her, I don't care. You mm. pick. I, I picked uh, San Diego. You wherever you want to go, we'll go. All those are all things we tell ourselves. No, I'm cool with it. I, I love adventure. I'll I'll go anywhere. My only caveat to her was this needs to be the last move. Like this is the last time I move. <laughs> So and one of your other caveats has the loophole has been closed on that needing high speed internet because you can just get Starlink. It sounds like yeah, apparently Starlink. Yeah, I I can I can move to the middle of uh, Nebraska now. It's not even an issue. I can get Starlink. Do one of the Dakotas. 
I'm sure. So, all right. I think that's it. I feel like we have run long enough. Where are we at? 125. It took us about 20 minutes to even get going. So I think we're right at the one hour mark. No, you didn't start Zencaster until just before we went live. You didn't have that. We're way too long now. Yeah, I agree. All right. I think that's it. Episode 223. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it up. Don't buy Dogecoin. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. Shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.